Amen. Amen. We're going to take our Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 22, before we take the Lord's Supper this evening, Luke chapter 22. I, I really love that song. Uh, it makes me think about the day of my conversion. I mean, what an act of God's grace that, and I, I had no idea what it would mean to be born again. I was so blind and lost without Jesus. And I, I still am coming to glorious terms with the riches of His grace. And I, I have, my eye hath not seen, nor has my ear heard the things that God has in store for those that love Him and those that know Him. And I'm coming to just to the tip of the iceberg of knowing the the, the, the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge, but just the act of God's amazing grace that he would call me out of darkness into light. I was so undeserving of that. And even now, my life as a Christian, I, I, think, of like the, I think like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 it's a daily frustrating battle. Who shall save me from this body of death? And even my life as a Christian, since my conversion, even that bears no merit to the gift that I deserved through the grace of God in Christ Jesus. I still have not lived up to the gift of salvation. I still haven't. It is free and full and gracious. Amen? It's not like he saved me, and okay, now you, since I, you, you, it's an IOU, and I, I can never repay. I could never come, I could never come up to it, and the salvation of the Lord, I could never repay him. So that's why we're just worshiping, because we can't repay him. That's why we just praise the Lord, amen? That's why, because I can never repay, that's why eternity is going to be spent doing that, because I can't ever repay him. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm so glad he saved me. I'm so glad he saved me. I'm still trying to even understand what that means. So how in the world can you not? I'm still learning about it. I think that's why the angels are envious of us. Because we know what it's like to be redeemed. We know how amazing it is. They, they're just a created being. I once was lost, but now I'm found. <laughs> I once was blind, but now I see. You see? It's a, it, even the angels look in on this. It, hey, enjoy being saved. Amen? Enjoy being saved. Rejoice because your name, if it's in heaven, if it's in heaven, rejoice, amen, that your name is written in heaven. All right, Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're gonna, we come to this occasion in Scripture. The Lord is uh, the night of his betrayal. Of course, we know he breaks bread with his disciples. Luke chapter number 22. And let's begin reading at verse number 14. Verse 14, Luke 22. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and he's, he's fixing to die and suffer, and he's giving thanks. Interesting, isn't it? It's like he wants to do it. 
And he took the cup, verse 17, and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. So have fellowship with this. Have communion with this. This is for you all. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament, a new covenant, that's what it means, is a new covenant in my blood, sealed by His blood, which is shed for you. What is the co- a covenant of grace, not a covenant of works, an eternal covenant by His blood, which is shed for you. Heavenly Father, in Jesus, Your name, our Lord, our Savior, Lord, the head of our church, and Lord, I pray, our Master, our Redeemer, Lord, I pray that tonight a few words could be spoken to give the Lord's Supper some greater relevance in our lives. We seek, Lord, that the gospel and Christianity, it's my desire that it'll make sense and be relevant in the lives of us as Christian people of the Westside Baptist Church. I pray, God, that this, this word would bring us to greater understanding, thus more faith, and more confidence in what we're doing here tonight. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. In your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Just a few things tonight from this passage that, uh, as I've prayed, would give this tonight more meaning and more relevance. I guess what I'm trying to do is try to answer the question, why? Why are we doing this? Of course, many of us, the answer is because this is what we do. That should never be the, always the answer for what we do at our church. It, then it's, just, just, it's just tradition. It's just what we do. I, I want us to what we do make sense. And of course we should do it because Jesus says to, first of all. Why do we do this? The easy answer, Jesus said so. That's why we do it. But if Jesus don't, don't send us on fool's errands. He don't make us do stuff that don't make sense. That's crazy. What we're doing here, there's a reason behind it. So Jesus says, do it, because there's a reason behind it. I want you to do it because of this. So it's important that we do it. Why do we do it? Hopefully tonight, it's not just because that's what we do. There ought to be a reason why we do it. Like, why should you be baptized? There's a reason why. It's for obedience. Yeah, you should obey Him and do it, but there's a, there's a relevant, practical, logical reason that plays out in your Christian life why you should do it. But why are we doing this? It's, it, it's not just because that's what we, as a tradition, that's what we do as a church. We do it, easy answer, of course, is because Jesus said so. But why do we do it? Well, that's the first point. We do it as an act of love and obedience. If you look at verse number 19, at the end of the verse, Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. And our mind thinks maybe what the Apostle John, what the Apostle John wrote in, in the Gospel according to John, if you love me, keep my commandments. So why are we doing this? Another easy answer. We're doing it because we love Jesus. We're doing it because Jesus said, and we love Him so much, we're going to obey Him. If we don't, Obey Him. It can be argued scripturally that we don't love Him. Remember, I quoted it last, I think last Sunday night, 
Jesus asks a question, why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? There's a whole lot of Christian people that haven't taken the Lord's Supper in years. Think about the implications of this. Jesus said to do this. And some Christians aren't doing it. But Jesus said to do it. This is one of the rare times, or the, or, the, or the few times, not rare, the few times I as a Christian, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to do this because Jesus said to do it. And I really, I'm, I am fearful for, for professing Christians who have no interest at all in doing what Jesus said to do. What would that mean to that person's life? It must mean something. I mean, this is His Word. This is what Jesus said to do. It don't make sense, does it? If, if one says, I'm a follower of Christ, and in the, in, the, in the few occasions in the disciples' life when they know exactly what they should do and they don't do it, it's, your, it's an act of open disobedience against Him. Now I know that, like for example, we should marry in the Lord. If I'm already married, I'm not going to get remarried. But if I was single, I would seek to marry in the Lord. Now there might be, I know I can't marry an unbeliever. Maybe there's two Christians who are, are both believers. Then, yeah, we need to pray for discernment. What does, how does their personalities align with mine? What are their values, their, their virtues? What do they like? What's their plans? Yes, in those occasions, if it's in the Lord, Lord, give me discernment. But you should know, don't marry an unbeliever. That's so obvious. Jesus said, according to 1 Corinthians 7, if you want to re- reference that. But Jesus said to do this. Now, why are we doing this? It's an act of love. Because He said to do it, so we do it. And I, want, I hope tonight you're doing this in faith. You're doing it with that intention in mind. It's not just the circumstances have arranged where you always come on Sunday night and this is the night we take the Lord's Supper and that's why you're doing it. Please, just tonight, do it in faith that I'm doing it because Jesus said to do it. It's not because it aligned with me being here this evening. Why are we doing this? It's an act of obedience and love. Number two, why are we doing this? Look at verse, look at uh, verse number 16. Excuse me, verse number, verse number, verse number 16, yes. Jesus said, no, verse 19, I'm sorry. Jesus said, and he took the bread and gave thanks and gave it unto them, saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do... But then he says, in remembrance of me. So it's an act, not only of obedience, this do, verse 19. It's also an act of remembrance. So we're to remember. And this looks backwards. So when we do this tonight, Jesus wants us to look backwards. The Apostle Paul also mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 12. As often as you, as you eat this bread and drink this cup... You do show the Lord's death till He comes. So tonight, we're doing it as an act of love, and we're doing it also 
as an act of remembrance of me, Jesus said. So don't forget me. So we're thinking back tonight to Calvary, and we've already been singing about it, and we're, we take, we're going to take our bread, our unleavened bread, it's not tainted by man, nothing's been added to it, that the work of salvation is symbolic of it is salvation, it's of the Lord. We have unleavened bread. It's not mixed by any human effort. We've added no yeast to it. And it, we're remembering tonight Jesus' body and Jesus' blood that paid the sinner's price. So we're doing this as an act of remembrance so we can remember that we are saved by grace, His death on the cross, through faith, our trusting in Him, And it's not of any works that we have done. So we are remembering tonight what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're remembering that. So tonight, why are we doing this? Because I love Jesus and I want to remember what my Lord has done for me. And I think I've illustrated before like this. I don't have a picture of Jesus. We have pictures of our loved ones. We can look at a photo and have a a great sense of remembrance. I I can look at pictures of a family gathering at the mountains and say, I remember that. God is giving us a picture that we can hold in our hands tonight and we can, we can use it to reflect and to remember his, his body, his blood. And it makes one remember what Jesus has done for us. Now, the, the, the New Testament church, if you turn to the book of Acts, they, they did this weekly. And in Acts chapter number 20, this was a part of their, their constant gatherings. In Acts chapter number 20, in verse 7, the Word of God says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, the, the implication here, the idea is the Lord's Supper. And I'll give that some more, some more clout or credibility here in just a moment. So not only did they, Paul preach unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Some of you all might think I preach a long time. Paul preached till midnight. Amen. And if you... Let me, let me, let me pause for a moment. I've seen a lot of Facebook Live videos since churches have put their live stream services on. I've seen some long-winded preachers. And if you think I'm long-winded... Now, sometimes, would you agree it is necessary and appropriate? Amen? But Paul preached till midnight. Till midnight. And we, we know it's at nighttime because in verse 8, there were many lots in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And you know the story, Paul preached this guy to sleep. And I've done that. I notice the older I get, the more I have the ability to do it. He preached the man to sleep. And the, 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 the lights were eating up the oxygen in the room. And so they came together to break bread. And this is why many people believe, and I'm starting to be under this impression, that the Sunday night service had branched from this tradition that the early church gathered weekly to take the Lord's Supper, when you eat supper, in the evening time, and they gathered in the evening to partake of the Lord's Supper. So that gives Sunday night worship more relevance, don't it? That they gathered weekly in the evening to partake of the Lord's Supper. And they did that, they gathered in the evening time. 
Now, I'm worried that even a lot of churches, when we get away from biblical practices and examples, but that we began to degrade Christianity. And I listen, every church can do what they will under the Lord's wisdom, guidance, and discernment. But I'll just say this. I don't think our community and our culture is better off nowadays that many churches now have decided to not gather on Sunday evening. If we were better off for it, it would make sense. But I see a degradation and erosion and a de-evolution in spirituality in our communities because it seems there aren't as many gatherings like there used to be. It seems to not help. Amen. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, if you look at verse number 20, Paul says, when you come together therefore into one place, that is not to eat the Lord's Supper, that means actually they were eating it, weekly, because Paul is saying you all are doing it for the wrong reasons. That's why he's saying that. It's a, it's a statement of sarcasm. You all are doing it, but you're really not doing it. Again, in verse number 33, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry for one another. He's, the whole context of chapter 11 is the Lord's Supper. So when they come together weekly to partake of the Lord's Supper, why were they doing this? They were doing this in remembrance of Jesus. Not only is it an act of remembrance, but it's also an act of prophecy. Quickly, let's turn to Luke chapter 22 again. So it's an act of love and obedience. It's an act of remembrance. It's to remember what Jesus has done for us. It's an act of prophecy also. Look at verse 16. For I say unto you, I will not eat, in Luke 22, any more thereof. Notice the word until. That makes us look forward, right? Until something happens. So Jesus said, I say unto you, I will not anymore eat thereof. I'm not going to take the Passover, the Lord's Supper. And we, and we call it the Last Supper because it's the last one that Jesus ate with his disciples. Verse 16, I say unto you, I will not anymore eat thereof until, looking forward, it be fulfilled. That make, it makes one think of prophecy, don't it? I will not... Eat with you again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In Revelation 19, 19 is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus is saying, this is my last one until then. He said, and then he, he includes us, verse 16, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Look, look if you will, also at verse, at verse, not only verse number 16, look, if you will, at verse 18. He says it again, for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Now, Jesus is eating the Passover with his disciples. The Passover was to remember their deliverance from Egypt. And also, a lamb is provided at Passover. It's remembering Egypt, but also looking forward to the lamb of God, which is to come. That God is going to bring a Messiah. And John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. So Passover was, remember your deliverance from Egypt and look forward to a coming Messiah. The Lord's Supper is this. Remember your deliverance from sin at the cross. And look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the same thing. Jesus instituted a New Testament, a new covenant. And we look back to the cross and we look forward to the day When we eat it anew in the kingdom of God with Jesus himself. Amen? 
So we're gathering together tonight to do an act of love and obedience to remember what Jesus has done for us. But don't just remember the past. It is a reminder that there is more yet to come. Yeah, remember what Jesus did, but also look forward to what Jesus is going to do. And one of these days as saints, we're going to gather around a table with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to break bread with Him in the kingdom of God. Amen? And not only that, we're missing some faces in our church that's passed on, aren't we? There's some familiar saints that aren't gathered with us. We're going to gather together with them too over there. So this is communion. It's, it's present communion. We're doing it together. That's why we, we have symbolism here now. We're all going to eat it at the same time. Nobody's better than anybody. We're all going to drink it at the same time. We're going to do it at the same time. Because what? One of these days, one of these days, we're all going to do it at the same time together. I'm going to say, Pop all. This is incredible. He's going to say, Amen. I, I could almost, if he was here today, he would say to me, You keep doing the Lord's Supper because you need to remember what Jesus done for you and you need to be looking forward until... Even, even Paul says it in, a, in, in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, You do this till... till he said, You... You, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till, till, T-I-L. Jesus said until twice, until He comes again. Amen? So what are we doing this for in closing? Why are we doing this? Well, we're doing it as an act of loving obedience. Jesus does, he, he instituted it for us. It's for Him. Our obedience is for Him, but the act of it is for us. So we don't forget we were delivered from Egypt and He's coming back to take us over into glory land. We're doing it so we remember that salvation wasn't free. And we're doing it so we can be reminded the prophetic message of what's going to take place tonight. You look future in, through the eye of faith. There's a missing chair here and it's our Lord and then one day in the future, we're going to gather together with him and break bread with Jesus Christ. I got a reservation, don't you? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> There's a great marriage feast going to take place one day. And he went to the highways and the hedges and the byways to gather in the people. Come to the marriage feast, he said. He sent his servant out, remember? Remember? And the Holy Ghost sent his... He's, he's come and he's called you and drew you. There's a marriage feast. I got the invitation. It was purchased by his blood. Amen? And now, now, the reservation's been made. Is your name there? Amen. The table's being set. Arrangements have been made. They are right now being prepared. Prove it. John 14, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. 
Again, the default setting is whatever Jesus said, I'm going to believe it because he arose from the dead and proved himself to be the Messiah. He said, I went, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that where I am, there ye may be also. Heaven's a prepared place for a prepared people, amen? Do you know Jesus Christ tonight as your personal, intimate Savior? He alone is the only way. And that where I am, there ye may be also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I'm going to a great supper one day. Aren't you? And tonight, on a, the world might say, a tired, windy, chilly Sunday evening in the house of God, gathered by the people of God, we're going to remember and be reminded through an act of loving obedience. We're doing this for Him, but this is for us to remember and be reminded. There's going to be a day. Amen? There's going to be a day. Praise the Lord. Let's stand to our feet. Maybe, today, maybe tonight as we prepare our hearts, we've prepared the table, we've prepared, uh, the, the deacons have prepared the, the, the grape juice, the unleavened bread, They've, they've prepared the table. But all of it is useless until we, unless we prepare our hearts. And let's prepare our hearts. Not, we're not doing the traditional thing. Let's, let's avoid that. That's not faith. Anything of faith is not, anything of, not of faith is sin. Let's prepare our hearts. An act of loving obedience. And not just because this is what we do on Sunday night. An act of loving obedience, gathering together as the first century church did, as it was their custom to partake the Lord's Supper, to be reminded and to remember and to be reminded of our future with Jesus. And tonight, maybe, maybe you're living in a, in a state of unconfessed sin, unrepented sin. I want to encourage you tonight to not be a, take it hypocritically. He died to save you from your sins. And this is a reminder that He saved you from your sins be like going back to Egypt after you were delivered to take the Passover over there. It don't make sense. Maybe tonight. Be a good night as a Christian to confess your sins to Him. And say, Lord, I come to you dirty and vile. Make me clean by your blood. Wash me, purge me. If that's you tonight, I want to welcome you to come and pray as we sing together. Amen.